back to the Forever Young podcast. We release episodes on the first of every month. If you're new here, feel free to subscribe and follow us to keep up to date with our uploads. I'm Charlene and I'm joined by Tom. Hello. Hello. How have you been? I've been very well. I am really excited to read this month's book. How are you, Charlene? I'm good as well. Um, Yeah, it's a very interesting, it's very different, the book that we read this time compared to, I think, the previous books that we've read. Yes, I'm so glad we're covering a new topic after all (laughs) the diet, um, all the gynecology or the diet stuff. I feel like this will be a great change of pace for us where we cover a little bit different. We cover a sports medicine kind of book. Hmm. So that being said, our book this month is A Tooth from the Tiger's Mouth by Tom Bistro. Yes, that's right. I think it's one of the more popular books as well that is covered. So I'll, I'll quickly give a brief introduction about what the book's about and what he covers, and then we'll kind of go into a bit of a deep dive of what we liked and what we enjoyed in the book. So in medicine, receiving the right treatment at the right time makes all the difference. So nowhere is this more true than in sports when correct treatment can prevent a minor injury from becoming a chronic problem. So in this book, Tom Bistro covers sports medicine, where it deals with covering things from pain, strains, aches, bruises, all that sort of stuff, and takes it from an Eastern medicine approach rather than the Western medicine that we've so traditionally grown to know. So Um, previous books have listed some of the herbal remedies employed in Chinese medicine, but there hasn't really been a book that tells you specifically how you treat it, how you observe it, what to do and how Chinese medicine approaches that kind of stuff. So he comes up with this title, A A Tooth from the Tiger's Mouth, which is actually a Chinese saying, which explains that knowledge is difficult and even dangerous dangerous to obtain. It has survived centuries of change and upheaval because of its works. The goal of every athlete and every active person is to get back to the activities that they actually love. So he covers the best ways to get to that goal in the fastest possible way through Chinese medicine. I guess that leads on to the first topic that we'd like to cover, which is rice. I feel like Mm. that every person in healthcare or even people who know, like general people and laymans know about rice. Do you mind to give a brief introduction of what what is rice? So Do I eat it. <laughs> I mean, you can eat it, but um, not in the this context. So rice is the conventional Western medicine treatment for um, like uh, sprains, strains, um, just acute injuries, really. Um, so it, the it's an acronym actually, um, not not like physical rice, you know, <laughs> yeah. physical rice. Putting rice um, on a wound. Ah, it hurts so much. I got a bag of rice in the back. Yeah, <laughs> so it stands for rest, ice, compression and elevation. And so, yeah, it's the Western um, medicine approach and it's normally used um, basically in the 24 hours, like from or from the moment the injury occurs for about 24 hours. So, yeah, so that's the first thing we kind of want to talk about because there's this really, I guess, interesting, I think it's like a sub article that he kind of um, titles Ice is for Dead People. Yes. And just that title is like really just sticks with you. 
and he or do you want to explain what he talks about yeah sure I can cover a little bit I I I think it's a great not clickbait but it's like definitely a heading that pops out to you you're Mm. like whoa ISIS for dead people what does that mean (laughs) Mm. so one of the good things that Tom does in his book is that he has a lot of history as a he's, he's not just a Chinese medicine practitioner he's also a martial artist so he brings a lot of stories that um, he takes from his martial artist masters and one day he was he was like fighting and then he gets injured and he's like ah quickly quickly go get the ice and then his one of his masters are like that's not right ice is for dead people and he's like what and so that's that's kind of where the heading came from where he explains that you don't use ice to treat someone who's alive or who's like getting swelling you normally use it to preserve things so stuff that you chuck in food just to prevent it from decaying or dead bodies so it doesn't get damaged anymore that's when you would use ice Mm because when it's cold nothing moves no blood moves reduces the swelling that sort of stuff as well which is what i believe that they use the ice for in rice Mm -hmm. but it doesn't actually help with the recovery in chinese medicine yeah yeah, so he talks about how, from Western medicine perspective, um, the ice is kind of like freezes the local blood vessels and tissues, so it kind of stops the um, stops the pain and the swelling, yeah, swelling yeah. and the damage. Um, but from Chinese medicine perspective, by putting cold on it, you're also kind of inhibiting the normal circulation. So the cold um, causes the contraction and it doesn't really let in the healthy blood and doesn't really kind of facilitate that healing. It just kind of freezes everything um, in place. So it, it actually slows that natural healing process. Yeah, I, I think a great example of this is when you have that kind of arthritic pain as well. Like those people with arthritis, they'll notice, oh, when it gets really cold or the weather changes, all of a sudden, all these aches and pains start to play up as well. And hmm. that's that's a very classic example of showing that the cold weather has a direct impact on your pain in the body. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that's very kind of well a well-known concept in Chinese medicine. But if I guess you're not like as well versed in Chinese medicine, it's not something that you really think about because when you think about in school, even in first aid courses that we do, um, you're still taught like the rice, rest, ice compression, uh, like elevation. So yeah, it's really interesting that this, because this book is not new and not recent as well. So yeah, this has been a thought that like martial artists have been doing for like a long time, not icing their injuries, but actually putting like warmth um, or like more neutral kind of healing methods on it. Yeah, there's even the guy who actually invented rice actually came forward and said, Oh yeah, when I said ice, yeah, that was probably a bad idea, like to say it after he did more research. But mm. by the time he said that, it was already too late, and everyone had already adopted yeah. rice mm. as the acronym. So, what do you think, Charlene? We should do if oh my god, I just tripped and then I sprained mm-hmm. my ankle. What what is the Chinese medicine approach that Tom suggests? So, yeah, so actually, he gives some TCM alternatives like say emergency acupuncture points that help to like move the energy, um, stimulate the circulation, or you can do like cupping or like bleeding over the local area. You can add liniments with massage or 
herbal plasters or like herbal medicine as well. So he gives alternatives and then he also goes into more specifics about what alternatives to use um, later on in the book. But basically he says, don't do ice. If you really, really, really have nothing else nearby, then just ice for 10 minutes out of the entire hour to minimize that the cooling effect on the body. Yeah, exactly right. I've had actually had, I've actually used the Chinese medicine approach before Mm. when I was playing volleyball and I stepped on someone's foot, which caused a lot of swelling in my ankles. And I've had the blood cupping done and works like a charm. Works you know? like a charm. Yeah, it really does. Let's, yeah. let's talk about a little bit more about the whole book now. Mm-hmm. He mentions the four pillars of Chinese sports medicine. Mm-hmm. Let's, did you want to go over a bit about what does he say to encompass the whole of sports medicine from Chinese perspective? Yeah, so are we going into each individual pillar? Yeah, I think I think that'd be a good idea as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I guess the four pillars, just to let everyone know first, is health preservation, is physical medicine, external herb therapy, and internal herb therapy. So I guess we'll start with number one, which is health preservation. So that's things like Um, having the right diet, um, adequate amount of exercise, any lifestyle kind of modifications, exercises and things like that that you can do just to maintain a level of health. Yeah, any any kind of thing that helps prevent injuries from coming in the future or preserving your health, (laughs) this is where this kind of category goes. And he covers quite a few chapters about this as well throughout Mm. the book. So I guess a few maybe we can just talk about a few things from each category that he does kind of talk about Mm -hmm. I guess for exercises and like stretches he gives I think two sequences the daily dozen and the eight brocade plus Mm -hmm. yeah and they're just kind of like simple tai chi qigong style exercises that you kind of do to maintain your like strength and maintain like flexibility flexibility in quotations um, because it's not about doing the splits it's about allowing each muscle to be kind of mobile and to be moving and kind of different basically exercises that anyone any age can do correct exactly and that's something that I really liked that he incorporated because this is practical knowledge that I can actually do it's not just theory based like what we've covering before I can I can tell this to any patient. I can tell this to your friends or your family and they'll Mm. instantly get benefits from doing these kind of things. Mm -hmm. Something else he mentions as well is the incorporation of breathing that I really liked because in Chinese med, the breath is like, you need this to survive, you know, obviously for oxygen and all that nutrients, but it also has that function of moving the chi and the blood through the body. So that's what I really liked. He talks about diaphragmatic breathing as well, rather than just the... shallow breathing he talks about how to use these breathing into the exercise and how that can affect your mind and affect your movements throughout the body as well so Mm. i really thought that was really good that he put that in there because i think slowly western med is becoming more aware of that kind of stuff with like wim hof breathing that sort of stuff and reducing cortisol and all that sort of stuff in the body but having said that this has been around for many many years already so it's nice to see that western medicine science is catching up to this kind of stuff as well yeah yeah and it just shows you that like chinese medicine is always relevant 
yeah it's not gonna not gonna go out of style <laughs> hopefully not for a few more thousand years so yes and then he we've covered a lot on diet recently in the past few podcasts but one thing I want to mention about the diet in this one is that there's a few types of foods that he says to kind of avoid or like foods that prevent injuries from healing quickly or kind of inhibit the healing process Mm -hmm. so I just want to mention what they are which is cold foods so similar to that kind of ice um, the thinking behind ice it causes the contraction and kind of takes away the energy needed for the healing so some energy goes to warming up that food to get the energy out of it and it is taking away from kind of that healing process of the injured area and then he also talks about avoiding sour foods spicy foods and shellfish as well so these just kind of inhibit the circulation or kind of cause a bit more stagnation in the body which is kind of really interesting when you think about it like when you're injured you or from for me personally I think of more eating like bland foods or like what foods I should be eating rather than foods that I can avoid eating yes I like how he also phrases the foods that you can eat in terms of just your pain related it's not just overall well-being or you've Mm -hmm. got this kind of condition it's like ah you've got pain in the body you got stagnation or you got this, this blood deficiency, whatever. These are the foods you should use. These are the foods you should avoid mm, for, yeah. for sports. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Mm. All right. I think we've, we can move on to the next pillar. If there's anything else you wanted to add, Charlene? No. Oh, oh, actually, the last thing is he talks about detoxing and don't do it while you're injured. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the last thing you need to worry about is fat and all that kind of stuff when yeah. you're in hospital or you're lying with a cast on or you can't move or anything like that or like fasting or anything like that but I think that I think that's pretty common knowledge now yeah um he he even covers a part at the start of the book that's like oh common sense not so common huh (laughs) that's true (laughs) because normally now in in contemporary society if you get an injury the first thing you want to do ah i quickly go to the doctor and the doctor's going to be like oh well if panadol didn't work you know you got to go for surgery and then even though you're kind of hesitant oh should i really go for surgery or do all these kind of invasive kind of maneuvers you just kind of go with it even mm-hmm. though common sense is telling you no no i don't want to do this this is crazy yeah. why would i do this when there's like better stuff that i can do elsewhere but not so common i guess <laughs> You just don't know because we yeah. haven't been taught this. So, mm. so then, what... oh, yep, yeah. sorry. I was just going to move on to the next pillar, which is physical medicine. Um, so things like massage, acupuncture, cupping, and um, moxibustion or heat therapy. I think this is kind of more of our side of things. This is the Chinese med side of things where you go see a practitioner or you see someone who's qualified and they will be the ones administering the Mm. massage acupuncture cupping mox and that sort of stuff not to say that you can't do it at home but if it gets to that stage or that severity you need that Mm. sort of intervention through massage acupuncture cupping and moxa Mm. i kind of want to cover a little bit about what what each 
one does? Like when would, when would I need to just go to massage or why would I need to do acupuncture or cupping? What's, what's the difference between them all from a pain medicine kind of perspective? Well, they all do something a little bit different. So they affect the injury or the body a little bit differently. Um, like say with cupping, if there's um, swelling, stagnation, kind of, I guess you would call it like blockages can help to release that as well. Um, massage, I believe, is better for kind of muscles, strains, strains and sprains. I think one bit he was talking about is when you do do massage, you kind of feel for the ropey, the lumpy areas that you want to get out. Acupuncture is a little bit of, or he talks about acupressure actually and not yes. acupuncture. Yes. So I would actually prefer just to give, acu- like, to just get acupuncture or like go get acupuncture rather than doing acupressure I guess like like personally yeah yeah Yeah. I think he mentions acupressure because not everyone has needles on them that they can just buy and if I wanted to do something now I can use acupressure instead that's true Mm. Um, and then moxes kind of um, warming therapies so yeah using a herb to help warm yeah they all kind of do something different for the body depending on what stage of the injury you're at as well because if you're having a lot of inflammation and there's a lot of redness like heat swelling you don't want to do moxa you don't want to be adding more heat into that area what what are the stage i think this is something that he also goes very specific on is the different stages of your conditions so for example for bruises, for example, I think this is the easiest one because you can mm-hmm. see it. So when you get a bruise, it, you know, that blue, black, purplish kind of level, that's usually the worst. That's normally when you just injured it. He says it's at the level of the bone. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it starts to heal a little bit more, you get a little bit more bilirubin in the body. It turns to greenish color. He says that's the level of the tendon, which is a little bit more superficial. And then there's the yellow sort of which is the most superficial of them all before your skin turns back to normal color. So he does this for all the different conditions, all the pains there's categorized into mild, moderate, severe, and radiating pain Mm -hmm. swelling. He's also talks about the different types of swelling. You can have like a pitting edema kind of swelling, or you can have a bruising lumpy kind of swelling, or you Mm -hmm. can just have like a red hot swelling that Charlene talked about Mm -hmm. before as well. I liked his, how specific he was in terms of covering the different types of the condition and how they reflect in a Chinese, med- Chinese mm-hmm. medicine perspective. So going back to the swelling, for example, usually if it's pitting swelling, he says it's quite severe if there's water retention, whereas compared to the hot and red kind of swelling where it's accumulation of fluids and qi. Mm-hmm. So this would give an indication of how you wish to treat with what kind of modalities that Charlene just covered before. So Mm. should I use acupuncture or acupressure or should I use massage or cupping instead? So he covers all that stuff too, which I really, really like, for example. So when I had a swelling in my ankle after falling down and tripping, there was a lot of blood swelling and it was a lot of pain because normally in Chinese medicine, if there's a lot of stagnation, that will lead to pain. So because of all the pulling in my ankle, it was like three times the size of its normal size. I used, uh, one of my teachers used um, blood cupping where he got like a very thin needle and he just kept pricking it, pricking it, pricking it until it bled and then sucked it all up with a cup and then wiped it and then did it 
like at least four to five times until I was like crying in pain. I was like, not so much, but I healed in two weeks and it had taken more than three weeks for me to heal before that. So I don't know. It works magic in my eyes still. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Let's. Oh yeah. Sorry. So I was going to say, so he talks about, I guess, um, what to look for when you're injured, like the different types of swelling, um, different types of bruising. But then he kind of also goes on and talks about like different stages of sprains, strains and pain, and then different stages of like fractures as well. So you would use um, a different type of physical medicine for different stages in those healing processes as well. Yes, exactly. I I think something that uh, I don't really remember much when I was studying was treating bones. I feel like that was a very skipped over cu- uh, subject for me where uh, if I've broken my bone and I've come to see you, a Chinese medicine practitioner first, mm. rather than going to my doctor, what would you do? Yeah, I think the our go-to was like refer them to a GP so that they can get scans and like blah, 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 like just, you know get it set or know how much um, has been done. But then there's people that kind of come to you after they've got um, all of the scans and they're like, oh yeah, I've got a fracture. The doctor doesn't want to do anything, just want to kind of let it heal on its own. So is there anything that Chinese medicine can do? And then that's where uh, Tom kind of talks about, oh, it's so interesting. He he uses the three different organs, I think, and mostly the kidney and the the chi and the blood, I think, in terms of bones, because obviously kidneys help with the marrow and then that sort of stuff helps with setting of the bones as well. Yeah. So he says to tonify the chi and the blood so that the bones are properly nourished and supplemented with necessary nutrients and to tonify the kidneys to st- strengthen the healing of the broken bones as well. Mm. So this is the cool stuff. The nine herbs that he suggests for mending bone or the mm. formula he uses is called the bone knitting powder. Mm. which has six of the herbs. Uh, I'm going to list all the herbs that he suggested, <laughs> which is Gu Sui Bu, Bu Gu Zi, Shu Duan, Du Zhong, Gou Ji, Gui Ban, He Gu, Tu Bie Chung, Ziran Tong. I'm pretty sure I mispronounced 90% of that, but it's yeah. fine. <laughs> Some of them are banned in Australia. Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm. So. But yeah, so the... The bone knitting powder is normally not used in that acute stage of like bone fractures. You don't use it till a bit later on once the swelling and the inflammation has gone. Exactly. Let's move on to the next pillar, which is, I guess, external herb therapy. Yeah. So this includes liniments and washes, plasters, gauze, anything, I guess, herbal that is used externally and not kind of taken internally yeah i guess the best thing to do for this one is i guess to read the book he, he lists a few different types of formulas that you can use so the most common one i think was the sun huang sun which is mm-hmm. for acute stage injuries which is the most common one mm-hmm. and then he also talks about i guess the yunnan paiyao for like cuts and wounds um and then also tra- trauma liniment which is dia da jiu yeah mm-hmm. sorry i've i've always called it the cantonese version the di da oh, zhao mm, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Covers as well. yeah. Every, every like asian household has some form of like the trauma liniment <laughs> oh it's so good it smells smells so nasty though but 
I've I've always found it works as well for, for bruises and for getting hurt. Yeah. Uh, something else he talks about is herbal soaks that you can use, which mm-hmm. I uh, I don't know. I don't really use it that often, to be honest. Uh, the only herbal soak that I've kind of used is um, for hay fever, mm-hmm. like just helping for cleaning the sinuses. Have you ever used any soak, Charlene? I've prescribed herbal soaks before, um, but I haven't for myself. I feel like that herbal soaps are good for like wrists, ankles, like basically the limbs because it's easier to soak. You can't really, it's difficult to do it on your back because, I mean, unless you're in a bath, like it's difficult to do herbal soaks for certain areas. And I've been very lucky that I haven't injured, touch wood, too many of those body parts that, you know, you can externally soak. So yeah, I haven't used it much. It is um, a bit more of a, like a process than saying using a plaster because you do have to like boil up the raw herbs and like actually create the liquid to soak in, soak in rather than just say using a plaster that's already medicated and then just kind of peeling it off and just whacking it on the area. Exactly right. There's, I guess that kind of segues into what he recommends with using soft casts and that sort of stuff, instead of using soaks and stuff, he normally recommends using a soft cast instead of hard cast that we typically do. Oh, sorry. That brings me on to this thought idea of um, atrophy. Mm. I love how he talked about atrophy in the book. So he talks about how, because we use hard casts in Western med, when you need to plaster something, bones are broken, you don't want to move it. So to stitch it up, use a very hard cast and then even after a few days, the muscles, if it's not being used, will start to atrophy and start to waste away. And he instead recommends the use of soft casts instead so that you can use these kind of pastes or washes or whatever to heal it. And then you put it, bound it back up so that there's still enough circulation for the muscles or the ligaments ligaments or anything like that to heal faster as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess we've all like we've all seen it when you kind of remove the cast and the leg or the arm is just like so skinny now because you haven't been able to move those muscles at all. And I think, yeah, this is um, I guess will allow for to keep that muscle tone as well because it's not like they come out of the cast and they're just completely not going to use that, um, that limb or that area. Like you still need to use that area. So I don't know, it's not very not very practical to just no, have a ex- limb that's just like no strength. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to move one of you're not going to move the limb either way because there's so much pain in it that mm. you're not going to have to worry too much about, oh, I went to go pick up something with my broken wrist, you know, it's mm. not really going to happen. Yeah. Mm. So was there anything we missed for the external herb? therapy part no i think that's mostly it that i want to cover i think more specifics Uh, if you actually read the book on what kind of ingredients and what kind of stuff you actually want to use Mm. Um, and then so the last pillar is like internal herb therapy so herbal medicine but i think for i can't remember reading too much about this section because i believe he recommends to go see a practitioner Yes. to kind of find the right medicine for your constitution. Or he does talk about um, how Dieda, you can take it as a pill um, rather than having the liniment. Yes. 
Yeah. I, I think it's kind of hard to say as well because it's like chronic acute, mm-hmm. is it still like external, internal that's causing the pain? There could be so many different things that it's a little bit hard to say. I, the only thing he recommended was exactly like what you said, if it's acute mm-hmm. or if it's chronic, you can still take yeah that one if it's in mm-hmm. moderation yeah yeah if it's if it's relevant, if it's relevant. um yeah. yeah so he didn't mention too much about the herbal therapies but he does um go into some acupuncture points that you can use as well so it can be used as acupressure or acupuncture i guess exactly right nothing too crazy that i think we haven't covered before mm. when we've covered um the pain kind of stuff yeah. uh like li4 and liver three was for mm-hmm. moving the chi and blood that sort of mm-hmm. stuff and then the normal stomach 36 and uh, large intestine 10 um and then for like shoulder injury he suggests sun gel three uh, for ankle injury gallbladder 39 and then there's like the stiff neck point on the hand and then the yao tong shui as well yes um and one interesting one that mm, I didn't know was the groin injury one, kidney two and spleen four. Mm, yeah, and I, I thought that was kind of interesting as well. I've never yeah. done that. but I, No. That's yeah. Really... I will try that next time though. And for the then, groin pain, yeah, for yeah. sure. And then he talks about the limb gait points so stomach 31 and small intestine 11 and then he goes in a bit into ear acupuncture as well yeah he lightly touches on how the mapping of the ear have we done an episode on auricular i don't think we have have we i don't remember maybe ages ago like maybe in the first year Hmm. we should probably it's very hard to talk about it through just audio describing the ear as well though so yeah but yeah i thought that was quite interesting he talks about using auricular to treat different parts of the body as well mm-hmm. something he also covers is the different massage or twainar techniques that we use as well so stuff like pressing or like using the palm or circling around the point uh, i don't think we'll go too much into that sort of stuff in no. this episode just because it's much easier if you read it firsthand from the book it's like rather than us trying to explain what grasping is which is just <laughs> picking up with your fingers kind of thing <laughs> pushing. Yeah, so he includes lots of images um, of the exercises as well so when you read how to do that well for me personally when I was reading how to do the exercise I was so confused and then next page oh there's an image oh it all makes sense now yeah so yeah definitely lots of images in the book to help you understand as well mm-hmm. I think that's mostly it I think we can have a little break here unless you wanted to talk about anything else Charlene and we'll talk about our thoughts in the next one So that was the first segment of the book where we run through what to expect from the book. And here, I guess we'll tell you more about how we actually found the book itself and whether we recommend it from a Chinese medicine perspective or from a layman's perspective, that sort of stuff as well. So that being said, Charlene, what, how did you find the book itself? Did you like it? I did. Um, I think we mentioned this briefly at the start, but it was nice to read something about a different topic um, than we've been doing previously. And yeah, this is one of the classics, I guess, that 
a lot of Chinese medicine practitioners and just people in general um, know about. And yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Yes. So, yeah, so did I. I, yeah, no, I, I'm definitely going to buy this book because there are so many nuances in the book that I don't think I'd be able to remember if I didn't actually see the book physically, like all the Qigong stuff and all the sort of breathing exercise, that sort of stuff was really, really cool that I liked. Um, that being said, did you not like anything that you read in this book? I don't know about not like anything, but I guess some parts, like he talks about what is strength, that for me, I guess I wasn't as interested in, but I wouldn't say that I didn't like it as part of the book. Like it made sense and the flow of the book was good. So I don't think I disliked anything from the book. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me was I like the way that he used analogies in this book. He encount- he recovers a lot of his own past experiences and uses an- analogies in the book, but there would be this kind of formatting where he talks about pain and then he includes a story about pain and then the next segment he finishes explaining what pain is and I'm like, well, what? what's happening? Something about a dam or something explaining <laughs> how that sort of stuff and then next thing he's talking about his dad and, and I don't know. Yeah. It's a little bit confusing in that regard. But I think that the formatting of the book, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was just little nuances. Didn't actually make me hate the book, but I thought it was just a bit more difficult to read reading yes. it for the first time. So well. A bit more going back and forwards. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you about the strength thing. Like, I think we know what strength is, but it's nice to, for him to sort of word it out to explain how he perceives mm-hmm. strengths and then move on to like more serious and in-depth topics. About yeah. It. And I guess comparing it to other Chinese medicine books, they always do this whole thing about what qi is, what blood is, what jing is. Yeah. But I like that he kept it short and brief. It was literally like one paragraph, we're moving on. Like I it's love not- that as well. Yeah. No, it literally sap my, saps <laughs> my soul every time I read, ah, Chinese medicine is the theory of the wind and the sun, and but we it's practical as well. And I'm like, all right, I get it. Tell me the cool stuff. And I completely agree. He did a great job of just cutting the crap and just going with the flow of it, the whole book. Yeah. And he kept it interesting by like telling those stories and like his experiences with using these exercises, with using these treatments as well. And lots of like little, I guess you would call them case studies littered throughout the book. So yeah, it was really good. That being said, I did also like how he referenced a lot of the stuff that he talked about. So he's I don't think I've seen that in many other books where they say, oh, this is what happened. Also, you'll read more in chapter four. So then you don't have to feel like, oh my God, that was so good. Why doesn't he touch more on it? He, mm. he does kind of touch it, yeah. refers back and forth. I think for me though, the most useful part as a practitioner, um, if we're talking from practitioner perspective, would be the last, the last part. I think it was part, not chapter, like part four, which is the treatment for common sports injuries. I think it was common injuries or sports injuries. Yeah. Um, and basically he goes through like a whole bunch of conditions, couple tunnel back pain sciatica what is like the first aid what um, treatments from different pillars you would use um, and like what stages of the recovery process so I think um, this is this will be really helpful to keep in your clinic as well um, and just refer to something that I'm probably going to do as well 
is take a lot of the pictures that he uses inside the book and then actually give that to patients to do as an exercise. So I print it out for him and then I will give them, this is what you should be doing daily before the next time you see me. Mm -hmm. And that way they have an idea of empowering the patient to be able to do something at home while not just sort of sitting there and waiting for the next treatment to come around. Yeah, that's definitely a good idea. Uh, that being said, how many yin yang logos would you give this out of, I don't know, five? Have we been using five? Yeah, I think we've been using five. Yeah. How many yin yang um, logos would you give it out of five? Is this a five out of five? Is this a five out of five for you? That's a perfect score. I honestly can't think of anything like really bad. And like, I don't want to just give it four out of five because I can't, like, I don't want to give it five. I don't know. I think it's either four and a half or five in my books. Like I can't think of anything bad. Yeah, I am exact. I, I would probably give it a 4.5, but uh, I think I'd give it a five out of five for me, actually. I think this mm. book was really, really good. I, I don't think this is my favorite book so far in Do With Us at the moment. So, yeah. so I've read quite a few books. I think this is at least top three. I think yeah. Web That Has No Weaver is probably top three as well. But <laughs> Not Tao Te Ching. Uh, maybe I'm not wise enough to understand <laughs> Dada Jing yet, but maybe yeah. in a few years I'll bring it back up from mm. the bottom. Who knows? Any, I guess, last takeaways from um, the book? Yeah, I think if you're a starting practitioner or new to this kind of things, or you're interested in that kind of pain, I think you should definitely get this book. I think it's only $30 on Amazon if you're in Australia. And it's not too bad as well if you're anywhere else in the country that has or any other countries that have Amazon as well. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely pick this book up if you can. We hope this offers some insight for you into A Tooth from the Tiger's Mouth from us at Forever Young. Thank you for listening to Do With Us. Don't forget to follow us on social media. And And we have been the Forever Young Podcast and we'll read with you next time. Bye. Bye.